So welcome, welcome. It is December 8th, and uh, we're so glad you're here to worship with us. If I haven't met you yet, I'm Pastor Chris, and uh, we're starting our Advent series today, and it's called A Glorious Mess. And I'm praying fervently that that doesn't describe like the message or how the service is going to go. Like it's, that wasn't intended to describe what we're doing here this morning. But uh, the, the thought behind this message was how many of you know that life doesn't always come at you in straight lines and neat little packages? Man, if you have lived any length of time on this earth at all, you know that there are messes that come in life. And the Advent season is meant to remind us that no matter what mess comes into our lives, He is always with us. We, we sang a song this morning about Emmanuel, God with us. And that's in Matthew 1. It says, they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is one of my favorite names for Jesus. God with us. Does that... Does that just rock anybody else's world or blow your mind that the God of the universe, the one that made everything that can be seen, he spoke and stars came into existence, he lives with us. Man, I I think about David sometimes, the psalmist saying, what is man that you are mindful of him? Man, that you would come and make your home with us, Lord Jesus. It's It's a humbling thought. That right in the middle of where we are, no matter what we're going through, who we're going through it with, good, bad, or ugly, he is Emmanuel, God with us. And he really did promise not to leave us or forsake us. He said, if you believe in me, the Father and I come and make our home with you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for being Emmanuel. And, and when I say glorious mess, I don't want to make light of anybody's problems or situations you're going through. It doesn't mean that the mess is wonderful and that we should put up with it. It just means that when we're in the middle of it, it can be glorious because he's there with us. And that's part of what we're going to look at during this season. There is glory to be found no matter what we're going through because of Emmanuel, that God is with us. And I I really do love this time of year. I get excited about Christmas and decorating as soon as Thanksgiving was done. So the Friday after Thanksgiving, I got all the boxes down out of the closet. We took out the Christmas decorations. We started putting stuff up at the house. It is one of my favorite times of year. And uh, and I remember when I was a, a teenager and even in college, if there was any decorating to be done at my mom's house, it was because I did it. My, my dad, if you go to, yeah, how many of you remember this? Anybody have one of those growing up, the, the ceramic Christmas tree with the little lights? That was my dad's idea of decorating. Dad would get out the ceramic tree, which was about this tall. That, that picture is not to scale. It's, that picture is way bigger. The ceramic tree was only this big. Dad would get it out, put it on the mantle, and say, there we go. We're ready for Christmas. Is that true, more or less? Mom's nodding her head with me. And so I, I would get out the lights and put them on the bushes outside or help decorate the tree. But, but that was our idea growing up. But I love to decorate and I would get the stuff out. And Pam and I have developed a good system. We love to decorate the house. I love how it looks when it's done. Uh, Pam does all the, the decor around the house and I would always do the tree. And, and I would take my time and I love to put the tree up. And uh, I, I do have a confession to make this morning. My name is Chris, and I own an artificial tree. <laughs> and there are some of you in this room that are thinking, what's the matter with that? That's awesome. And there are some of you that are like, you're a heretic. Like, what Christmas is all about, going to the tree farm. So we, we went one time. This, when, when we were early married, we went to a place just like that one on the screen. We went to a tree farm. We had just bought our first house together. We'd been married for like three years, and we bought this house. We didn't even have living room furniture in the house. 
But we went to the tree farm. We were like, we got a new house. Let's get a new tree. We'll, we'll get a, a real tree. We went to the Christmas farm. We sawed the tree ourselves. Anybody have that experience? You, you take your saw to the farm. You cut down the Christmas tree. You strap it to the top of the car. And we took the tree home. And at the time, we were living in this split-level house is what we had just bought. And, and we're looking. We, for some reason, we picked this fat little tree. It, it was tall, but it was fat. And... I, I, I'm saying fat. And I'm, <laughs> we had this fat little tree, and I'm looking at the front door, and I'm like, ah, I don't see it happening. But we had this sliding door that went out onto a deck. I'm like, hey, that'll, it's wider than the front door. We should get it in through there. The issue was, at the time when we bought the house, no steps up to the deck. And so I'm, I get the tree, I drag it around to the back of the house, and I tie the garden hose around the tree. <laughs> And I'm up on the deck, pulling this tree up to get it up to the deck. And I get the tree on the deck. I'm like, sweating. Like, it's December, and I'm sweating. And I'm like, okay, we got it on the deck. Let's get it in the house. And the tree, even though the door was wider than the front door, the tree is still wider than the door. And so I I get the tree, and I, (laughs) I have the trunk in the house, and I'm pulling. And it's not coming through the door, and I'm pulling and pulling. And you guys know where this is going, right? All of a sudden... The tree goes, and it comes through the door, and needles go everywhere. Like, it's making a huge mess all over the house, but it's in. So I'm like, this is it's fine. It's in. We're going to clean it up. We're not getting mad at all. It's Christmas, right? You never get upset at Christmas time, right? We're, we're, we're Christians. We don't do that. <laughs> we don't lie either. <laughs> I'm mad at the stupid tree and the mess it made in my new house on the new carpet. We don't even have furniture, and it's making a mess. But we get it in, and I set it up in this tree stand, and Pam says, there's too much trunk showing. I don't like the amount of trunk that's showing on the bottom. Can we cut the bottom of the trunk off? Sure, honey. I can do that. So the tree goes back out onto the deck. And I get my saw, and I saw off the bottom of the trunk, which, in retrospect, way too much. <laughs> but I saw it off the bottom of the trunk, and then the, the process repeats. I'm pulling, I'm pulling, poof, more needles everywhere. And I get it in the house, and I'm like, how's that? In love, in Christmas cheer. You guys, if you're married, you've asked your spouse that question in that tone of voice. I know you. How's that? It's too short. (laughs) I literally had to have my friend at work, Scott, he helped me build a box (laughs) that was about this tall so that the tree with the trunk cut off could now be back up on the box to be tall enough to do whatever we had in our minds that we wanted it to look like. So needless to say, the tree looked great that year, is on the box. We kept the box for like 20 years. The box lasted way longer than the tree, but the tree did last probably about two weeks too long in the house because you guys know what happened. And when you leave the tree in the house too long, I go to get it to take it out. And as soon as I touch it, (laughs) we had to buy a new vacuum after Christmas that year. It ruined it. I mean, the, the needles, everything, it was a disaster. And so... After that year, we went and bought an artificial tree and never looked back. 
And that, if, if you want to know why we own an artificial tree, that is the story. And, and we came by it honestly. And so every year we bought this artificial tree and it looked great. It looked way better than the short, fat, tall, too tall, trunk off the bottom tree that we bought that first year. And the artificial tree looked great. And I loved putting the lights on the tree. Like that was my deal is, is I, would, I would buy the strings of lights, hundreds and hundreds of lights, and I would put them on the tree. You don't just walk around the tree with a loop like you tuck them in and you fold them up and you make the tree look like it's really lit up. And so I love to do, put the lights on the tree, but I have a second confession to make. When we moved into a new house last year, I got talked into buying a pre-lit tree, which was amazing. I didn't know what to do with my time. We, we, got, we got the stuff out to decorate for Christmas. Pam's doing all the stuff in the house, and I'm like, poof, poof, poof. all right, is there football on? Let's watch something. Like, I didn't know what to do, but I, we bought the pre-lit tree, and it was great, and it looks wonderful, and it's still, I put all the ornaments on it and everything, but I have to tell you, that was exemplifying over the years. I have developed a love-hate relationship with Christmas lights. That, that is where I landed on that. Because you put this stuff on the tree, the Christmas lights. How many of you have ever had the experience after they're on the tree and it's been plugged in, all of a sudden, pfft, half of a string goes out. And, and then you're trying to save them and, and you get the ones out from last year and you plug them in and they don't light. Like, it really is a love-hate relationship. I love what they look like, but I can't stand sometimes the hassle and the mess that it is to, to make them look good. And we, we had this one house, I remember, uh, it was almost impossible to like, get straight lines and do anything with your Christmas lights. There was a house in our neighborhood that looked kind of like this one, and we would call it the Hollywood house. Do you remember that? We would drive by and we'd say, oh, it's the Hollywood house, because the lights were in perfect little straight rows. I was like, whoever lives there has some major OCD issues or something. Like, it was so straight, you'd want to pull the car over and just go, like, move one and see if they would notice and see something like that. But all I know is that Christmas lights can make a mess. And, and I think, you, you know how Jesus rolled? He would always teach the disciples about whatever was nearby. He would give them a story about fish or about farming, about the birds, whatever. I think if, if Jesus were around, I think he would have used Christmas lights to talk about our lives. And, and that is if they had electricity or they even celebrated Christmas back then. I, I know Jesus, if, if he had Christmas lights back then, he would have used them to talk about it. And I want you to just think for a minute how our lives are sometimes like Christmas lights and a strand of lights. Do you ever think about it? No matter how careful we try to be with them, no matter how careful we try to wrap them up and take care of them and use them again, they always end up in a mess like this. They get tangled, and it's especially messy when you've got two strands of lights tangled together that they're not working well and you can't get them apart. And then sometimes it's like you're almost afraid because as you're going through the lights, it's hard to untangle them without messing them up. Like you're, you're afraid like, oh, I'm going to break a bulb or something's going to go out. And then what, what happens is some of the lights go out sometimes and we spend all our time trying to figure out what made those lights go out. Where's the source of that problem? And, and we spend so much time that, I mean, that's no guarantee that they're going to start working either. How many of you have wasted 20 minutes or more on trying to get a strand of lights to work and then they don't work? You're like, you go through, you replace every bulb, you're checking them. And it's no guarantee they're going to work. And then sometimes people, they even get so frustrated with, I can't get this untangled, that they decide to throw it away. 
And whatever that may look like, I know people at this time of year, especially we need to be mindful that people are battling with depression and, and needing to get their lives ironed out. And, and they get to a place, they may not throw it away with suicide, but they may throw it away by pursuing things that are ungodly or unhealthy to them. And it's because our lives are like this and they stay tangled up. And I want to tell you this morning that, that a reality is that messes happen in life. We, we all said it a few minutes ago. You, you agreed with me that, that there is a mess that happens sometimes in life. And uh, the tr- it's not a doom and gloom prediction. Come on, I'm not, I'm not prophesying over you. Your life is going to be a mess. It's just a fact of where we live. There are messes that happen in our lives. You're not alone if you've ever had a mess come into your life. You're just human. Look at your neighbor say it's good to be human. Uh, maybe we don't believe that. <laughs> uh, come on, look at somebody else. Tell them it's good to be human. You guys still don't sound so sure about that. Is there anybody in this room that thinks they're not human? Maybe we should start there. We have bigger issues to talk about if you're thinking that. It's good to be human because that's where the glory comes. Jesus literally decided to step into the middle of our humanity and our mess. He's not shocked by it. He's not surprised by it. He just knows that that's part of how we are. No matter how careful we are, we end up in places that are tangled up and something's just not working. And sometimes we don't know how the mess happened, but we ended up in the middle of it. You know, you can be in a mess and it's not your fault. Maybe you were just sitting in the car at the light, mind your own business, and somebody rear-ended you. That's, that is a mess to deal with. Oh, let me get the insurance and I've got to get the car fixed and call somebody to come take pictures of it. That wasn't your fault. You just got in a mess. Sometimes the mess happens to us because maybe you grew up in a household where your parents were divorced. And now there's, there's a mess in your life that you didn't even cause. You don't know how it got there, but you're wondering, I shouldn't have to deal with, like, do I love my mom or my dad more? I have, I have these issues about relationships and how I see people because of a mess that I just happened to end up in. Maybe, maybe you grew up in a household where there was addiction happening, and, and it caused a mess in your life, but it wasn't even your fault. You just had people that were broken that were living their lives in a way that they didn't know any better. Maybe you got laid off at work. There's all kinds of messes we get in that they didn't, you didn't cause them, but you're in the middle of them now and you've got to figure out, where's God in the middle of this? How do I get through this? And sometimes the messes in life really are our fault. Sometimes we make stupid and sinful decisions. Maybe we squandered our money and we're, we're in debt up to our neck and we have no idea how to fix this mess. And it wasn't somebody else's fault. I spent all that money. Come on, I, I went out to eat five times a week and, and ran up the credit card bills. Like We get in a mess that's our fault. Maybe, maybe your marriage is falling apart because of stupid decisions that you made or something sinful you've done. There are messes that we cause. And what happens when we get in the middle of those messes, we start to question, God, are you still here? Could you really be here? Like, are you with us? Especially if it's a mess that we made. Come on. Sometimes the, the mess that we just get in through no fault of our own, we have no problem thinking, God, come rescue me. I didn't cause this. But especially the mess that I caused, I start to wonder, God, are you really still here? We almost look at it like, well, Emmanuel, that's just a name for Jesus for people that have their act together. If, if they've made a nice place for Jesus to come and be welcomed, he'll be Emmanuel with them, but there's no way he could be Emmanuel, God, with me. And maybe, maybe sometime you've even felt like this. There's a verse that David wrote in the Psalms. David, was a, he was a great guy, had all kinds of stuff going for him, but he also had real messes that happened in his life. Some of them because 
They just happened to him, and some of them he really caused. And, and maybe you felt this way. In Psalm 69, too, uh, David's talking, and he says, I sink in the miry depths. Come on, how's that for an encouraging psalm for all of you this morning? David's, David's talking about sinking down in the muck and the mire and the mess. I sink in the miry depths where there is no foothold. I have come into the deep waters. The floods engulf me. I'm worn out calling for help. My throat is parched. My eyes fail looking for God. Come on, the guy that wrote this is the guy that was called a man after God's own heart. This is the guy that had killed lions and bears and Goliath. Anybody remember that story? He had seen that. He literally took a stone from a stream, put it in a sling, and killed a giant that was nine feet tall threatening the armies of Israel. This is the guy that did that stuff. God took him from the backside of the desert being a shepherd watching over sheep to being the king of the entire nation. Talk about having a resume that if you looked at it from the outside, you would say, surely God's with that guy. Like, look, look at what all he's accomplished, where he came from, the victories he's won. God, Emmanuel, yeah, God is with that guy. And here it is, David saying essentially in that song, it feels hopeless. And like God has abandoned me. God, where are you? My, my throat is dry. I've called for help so much. I've, I've been looking all day long. Where are you? And just like us, David had messes that happened in his life. And again, some of them he caused, some of them he didn't. But the truth of the matter that I want you to hear this morning is messes don't change God's promise to be with us. When Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, he didn't put a qualifier at the end of that statement. I will never leave you or forsake you if you keep your act together. I won't leave you or forsake you if you act exactly like I think you should. He just promised, I'm not going to leave you or forsake you. How many of you know that? That is true love in action right there. No no matter what you do, how far you try to run away from me, I'm going to be right there with you. Man, Jesus chose to step into the mess of our humanity. And in fact, his presence is what helps us get through those messes. His presence is what what helps us that we don't look at the string of lights and say, I'm just going to throw it away because it's worthless. It's not even worth saving. His presence helps us go through the mess and find the glory in the middle of it. Sometimes we get so problem-focused that that's all we can see. Have you ever been in a place like that where the, the mess, you think the mess is so big that that's all I can see in my life? I, could, I can describe you the mess. I can tell you how it happened. Maybe I can't even tell you how it happened. I can tell you what it's going to do to me if it doesn't get fixed. We get so good at describing the mess that we forget we're supposed to keep our eyes on Jesus. In the middle of a mess, we need to do whatever it takes to get our focus back on Him. There, need, there should be something motivating us that says, i got to find Him in the middle of this. If you're in a place this morning where you're, you're in a situation that's robbed you of your joy or your peace, you, you don't even know if anybody loves you or they even care about your lives, you need to do whatever it takes to find Him in the middle of that place. Because when we find Him, that's when the peace starts to come. When, when we find Him, that's when the joy starts to come back. That's where our strength comes from. When we find Him, that's where we know, man, I am loved and accepted by Him. Whatever it takes. We don't always... Come on, this, 
if, if you're human, how many of you know, like, the, the tendency is, I've got to run away from my problems. And in reality, we don't always have to run from our problems, but in the middle of our problems, we do need to run to Jesus. Come on, there, there are things that you may not get out of tomorrow. The mess might not resolve just like that. Come on, that's... that's God forgive us if we've ever preached the gospel that way. That, hey, just, just come to Jesus and boom, everything's better tomorrow. Don't even have to look in the back. And it's, how many of you know the stuff is still there? And you may not be able to run away from it, but in the middle of it, we've got to run to Him. There, there is something about being in His presence that helps us cope and to deal with the stuff. David, same guy, same chapter in the book of Psalms. In just a few verses later, Psalm 69, verse 30, this is what he says. Come on, this is the guy that just wrote, I'm worn out from calling for you all day long. Where the heck are you, God? Same guy, he writes this. Let me shout God's name with a praising song. Let me tell his greatness in a prayer of thanks. For God, this is better than oxen on the altar, better than blue ribbon bulls. In the middle of his mess, David says, I'm going to choose to worship. I'm going to take my eyes off of what's going on around me, and I'm going to get my eyes back on him. Come on, David David was living under the law. He was living in a time when they actually went and sacrificed bulls and goats on the altar in the temple. And David had a glimpse of some new covenant realities. Even in that place, he knew God's desire was never about sacrificing the bulls and goats. God's desire was about having a relationship with us. And so even in the middle of my stuff, whether I caused it or not, I can choose to invite him in to say, Lord, I'm, I'm going to focus on you. I'm going to begin to talk about your greatness. Come on, our, our, our flesh, we get in the middle of those messes and our flesh says, I got to figure this out. Anybody ever been there? Like, I'm, I'm just going to noodle this through. I'm going to figure it out. We, we think I've got to fix everything. I got to come up with all the answers. I'm the answer man. Come on, I, f- I feel that sometimes people talk to you as a pastor. Like, surely you've got the answers. You're the pastor up there on Sunday. I know somebody that has all the answers. And, and if I can connect you with him, something will change in your life. It, it, may, it may or may not change if you just have an encounter with me, but if you have an encounter with Jesus, things will change. And instead of being there thinking, I've got to figure this out, our flesh says, I've got to have every answer, I've got to know how it's working, our spirit says, I need to get into the presence of the one that has the answers. I, I need to come into a place where I, I can let his love wash over me to, to take that fear off my shoulders. Come on, that is, that is really what we're talking about, standing in your love. There, there is no fear in perfect love. That's why we stand in his love. That's why we try to remind each other every Sunday after Sunday, God loves you. He's crazy about you. He loves you so much he came and died to have a relationship with you. And if we can know that we are standing in that love, fear really has no place in our lives. I need to be in the presence of the answer. I need to be in the presence of the one who makes a way when there is no way. Come on, we get, we get in our mess sometimes. We don't see any way to get out of it. This is, how many of you have ever had a situation in your life where you literally said, this seems hopeless? We really need to get in the presence of the one who makes a way when there seems to be no way. And I can't see it in my natural mind, but I need to know the Savior 
the deliverer, my hiding place, the prince of peace. All of those names of Jesus that we hear and we talk about, they're not just titles that we put on a board somewhere. They're they're not just nice things that we could read in scripture. They are realities that need to operate and impact our lives. And the only way we begin to see those realities operate is when we know him and we come into his presence and the things that happen in his presence change what's going on in our situation. Man, I'm going to worship God and do whatever you tell me to do. If it's sit and wait, if it's take some kind of action, if it's forgive somebody, if it's tr- whatever it is that you tell me to do, when I'm here in your presence, that's exactly what I'm going to do. And <laughs> when, when we remind ourselves that he's here, this is really, this is really what happens. We, we get in our mess, we're trying to untangle things. And when we remind ourselves and begin to worship and remind ourselves that he's here, it's like, but God, it's still a mess. But the glory's there because I'm there. God, I, I couldn't get everything untangled. I'm not even sure which bulb's not working. It's all right, son. I'm, I'm here. Like, I'm proving to you. There's, here's my presence. Just come and enjoy me. Just be, be in the light of who I am for a little bit. You know, the, the problem will still be there later. Like, we'll get to it. Just enjoy this moment with me. And, and sometimes we forget because all we see, the light's not plugged in. We just see the tangle and the mess, and we forget even in the middle of the mess, the glory's still there. Even in the middle of the mess 2,000 years ago, when it, one of the darkest times ever on the planet, the glory himself stepped down into the middle of it. And if we were living there, I'm sure all we'd be able to see is, oh, oh, look how the Roman army's oppressing people and they're killing babies and all these things. Instead of seeing, wow, right in the middle of that mess, there's the glory of the universe. And when we're aware of him, our mess turns into a glorious mess. And it's not because the problems are wonderful and, and we love and embrace the horrible things we're going through. It's because we remember Emmanuel that he's there with us in the middle of that stuff. I want to close this morning with one thought from Paul's letter to Timothy. Uh, in 2 Timothy, which Paul was imprisoned, probably about to be martyred. I don't know about you, but if, if I were in that place, knowing that, hey, I've, I'm just about at the end of the line, I would probably write a letter that sounded something like, oh God, please pray for me. It's the end of your dear old spiritual dad. Come on. How many of us would write a letter like that? Like, you know the end is in sight. It's not going to be pretty. It's probably going to be awful. They've got me in prison. It's a terrible place to be. We would write letters of complaint. <laughs> like, Timothy, you don't know how much this sucks. It's, it's wet. It's cold. It's musty. They're, they're beating us. We would write letters that sound like that. But Paul, he starts to write about resurrection life. And he starts to write about how Jesus has conquered death. Actually, there's some translations that say he obliterated death and took away all of its effects on our lives. Come on, can you imagine being in a place, you're in prison, you've been beaten, you're, you know that the end of the line is soon, and instead of complaining about it, you're writing about, isn't God so good? Isn't it amazing that, that he's in union with us, that he released his life to us, that he never leaves us, that he proved his love for us? How many of us would write a letter like that? And how did Paul get to the place where he could do that? 
And in 2 Timothy 1.12, this is what it says. Paul says, The confidence of my calling enables me to overcome every difficulty without shame. We, we talked a few weeks ago about saying yes to the call. Really just saying yes to Jesus. What do you want for my life? And he says, The confidence of my calling enables me to overcome every difficulty without shame, for I have an intimate revelation of this God. Man, knowing Him is what matters. He says, and my faith in Him convinces me that He is more than able to keep all that I've placed in His hands safe and secure until the fullness of His appearing. Come on. He didn't say, hey, Timothy, I've stopped having difficulties because Jesus is with me. He says, I've learned to overcome all of those difficulties because I know Him. And that's the place where we can get to. He says, I can get through these things because I've said yes to Him. Because I know Him and I want to know Him more every single day. And when I see Him for who He is, when I see the glory that's in the middle of my mess, the mess might not go away, but it starts to fade because I'm looking at Him. And my peace comes from that place. My joy comes from that place. I love how Paul says, I'm convinced that He can keep what I place in His hands. I'm in agreement with that. I I am convinced that He's able to take care of whatever I place in His hands. I am also convinced that whatever I don't put in His hands and I keep for myself, I am convinced that I'm able to make more of a mess of it. Why do we ever think, i got to figure this out by myself, on my own, in my own strength? I'm convinced that if I give it to Him, He will take care of it and watch over it. Whether it's some broken relationship, whether it's some addiction that we're struggling with, whether, whether it's our job going the way we think it should or not, I am convinced that if I place it in His hands, He's able to watch over it and take care of it for me. And that, that led me to think, this is, this is what I want us to do for an action item this week. Give Jesus your mess. And you might be thinking, well, well, what is my mess? What should I give to Jesus? I'll tell you, the mess is the thing that is causing you the most stress, the most grief, the most pain in your life right now. That's the mess that you need to put into his hands. Oh, well, how do I do that, Pastor Chris? Like we talked about. Right in the middle of that, I want you to, even if you're thinking about that situation right now and how much it's weighing on you, just begin to look to invite Jesus into that space. Lord, you, you are the way maker. You're the glorious one. You're, you're my strong tower and my refuge. You're the one I can run to. You're the provider in all those situations. Lord, you're the healer. There's, there's, even, there's a relationship in my life that's broken right now and it needs to be mended. Lord, you're the healer. I'm just going to worship you in that space of meditating on you. You are the one that fixes things and restores and creates. Begin to worship in that place and give him that mess. Declare that he's faithful, that he's able to hold that stuff in his hands, not in our hands. I think we could do that this week. Oh, that's good. I got, I got some amens on that one. Man, let's go ahead and stand together for a moment. I also, I also want to say, if you're in this room this morning and, and you've never given Jesus anything, you, you weren't even sure if you were believing, you didn't, you'd never started a relationship with him, that's the first thing we need to give him. Lord, I, I'm going to surrender my entire life to you. I, I give you me. Come on, isn't that, a, isn't that a great way to pray? 
If, if you're coming to Jesus this morning, it's as simple as, Lord, I believe that you are the Son of God, Jesus, that you died for me and rose again, and this morning I give you me. Maybe you're looking at your whole life and you're thinking, I can't pick just one mess. Anybody there this morning? <laughs> like, I got, I got so many that came to my mind right now, I can't just pick one. Maybe that's where your prayer starts is, Lord, I'm going to give you me. And, and maybe I need to start cultivating a, a habit of worship in my life just to remind myself that there's something more to life than what I can see going on around me. We're going we're gonna to worship a little bit this morning before we go, but I just want to encourage you, whether you're singing words on a screen or not, take this moment to just say, Lord Jesus, here's that situation that I'm thinking of. It's really a mess right now. It's so tangled. I can't even begin to figure out how to pull things apart. But Lord, I give it to you. Lord, I need you to come and stand right in the middle of that mess. Let me have eyes to see you at work. Because the truth is, he's really been there the whole time. And I don't, I don't know what that presence looks like. Some, sometimes I picture Jesus like he was with me walking through my mess. And I'm, I'm thinking back now, like, where were you at that time, Lord Jesus? And he's like, I was right there saving your life. What, the path you were on, you, you were going to die. You, you didn't know I was there at the time, but I protected and preserved your life so you could be here at this moment. Come on, we, we underestimate that he really is with us, no matter what we're walking through. Sometimes the picture we need to see of him being with us is whatever foolishness we're getting up to, he's standing behind us with his arms open, saying, just, just turn around, just embrace me. Lord Jesus, we give you our stuff this morning. Whatever that mess may look like in our lives, whether it happened to us or we caused it to happen, it doesn't matter. We choose to see that you are with us, that you're faithful to your promises, and we give you give you everything that's tangled up in our lives, that's causing us pain, that's causing us to be worried and in fear. We give it to you this morning. I'm thankful. I thank you, Lord, that you are able to hold it all in your hands, to watch over it and to preserve it. Let's, let's just sing that for a minute and then we'll pray and dismiss in just a second. deliver and you set free. We choose to see you, Lord. In the middle of the mess, we choose to see and focus on your resurrection power, your life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. God, I thank you for freedom right now. Even as we leave this place today, we don't have to leave with the same baggage we came in with. The situation might look the same when we go back to it tomorrow morning, but we don't have to look the same. Lord, we thank you for your power that operates in our lives, your resurrection life that sets us free from the way that the world thinks and the way the world does things. Lord, help us to keep our eyes fixed on you no matter where we are and what we're walking through. Let your life flow. God, bless us indeed as we go from here. Let us be the ones that remember that we're salt and light, that represent you to the world, Lord God. Let the people who meet and encounter us have an encounter with you, Lord Jesus. God, I bless your people. I thank you for just joy being upon our lives in this holiday season. Just hope, Lord Jesus, just the freedom that comes from you. 
God, give us opportunities to talk to people and let them know of your goodness. We ask it now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen, amen. Amen. If you're in this place this morning and you need some prayer, maybe you've got sickness in your body or you're still feeling like, hey, the mess is so big, I need somebody to stand with me and pray. Uh, There'll be some people up front to pray. Come up and get some prayer this morning. If you've never believed before, come up and we'll introduce you to Jesus. It's a great day to do that. But otherwise, have a great afternoon. God bless you guys. We love you.